Octavia and Carhoon follow Owlbear into the darkness on a desperate mission to save a fellow Grot member, Moose. Will the rescue mission find success, or is it already too late? And I hope they all like ice cream, because they're following a trail of moose tracks. Welcome to me, my spouse, and a die. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Me, My Spouse, and a Die. I'm Gwyneth, your resident Asimar, Octavia, Marguerite, Sinclair. And I'm your resident goat master, Austin. <laughs> if you like what you hear in the next hour or so, please rate, review, and subscribe to us on iTunes or your preferred podcasting app. It's a great way for us to grow in the charts and visibility and reach more people like you with our story. A great way for us to grow is by you sharing us with your friends. So please do just that. We're both very full of cake right now. We... Not as full as I could be. <laughs> that is true. I'm full of cake and I have had quite sufficient, but Mr. Everlasting Hungry Pit over there. I could eat so much cake. Let me tell you, I love cake. I'm already at the at the point where I feel a teeny bit sick of eating cake. She had two little cake truffles. <laughs> that's it. That's, They're that's, super sweet. That's what she says when she says full of cake. Like that, That's nothing. <laughs> No, I mean, Man. I won't deny that, like, I can go ham on, like, some chips or some other savory things, but when it comes to sweets, my, my ability to just tuck in is is limited. I will not deny that. Man, I could eat so many. So <laughs> many. So I, when I can... it's each other's birthdays, we always make full-sized cakes for some reason, even though it's just the two of us, so we try to be good people and freeze half of it and not just like eat an entire cake between the two of us in like two weeks type of thing so we routinely have just half of a cake in our freezer there's half of a cake in my freezer right now and then there's just tons of cake in my fridge right now Mm -hmm. i tell you i can i can put sweets away in undergrad i used to get like go to walmart and get like a dozen walmart donuts which aren't good donuts so like don't at me but yeah and just like eat them all that night you used to do that didn't you do something similar to that on your bachelor party uh on my bachelor party yeah we we made steaks on top of my building and then we went to the local dunkin donuts got a dozen (laughs) donuts and we ate them on the steps of the uh the melon building which for those of you who aren't familiar with pittsburgh is the building in which batman fought bane Mm -hmm. in the dark knight rises so we felt pretty cool about that It was a great bachelor party. I was. <laughs> Y'all are such nerds. Yep. It was, it was pretty great. <sighs> uh, Funnily enough, s- that's that's actually the, uh, the chemistry building for Carnegie Mellon University, which I have collaborated with in the past. So I've gone in there and it loses some of its grandeur when you realize the building mm. where Batman fought Bane is really just like, oh, it's a science building okay cool (laughs) it does have a pretty intimidating exterior though yeah okay the inside of that building is not good it looks super cool outside the inside of it mm -mm. it's like a like a high school designed in the like 60s there's no windows there's no light yep everything even if you're on like the eighth floor it feels like you're in a basement so sorry architects i know that was like the thing back then maybe you were afraid of nuclear war and didn't want like windows Mm. i don't know but the inside is not nearly as cool as the outside is no shade to whoever designed (laughs) that building but that's so true like the building that i work in it's beautiful on the outside like we similarly have like columns and everything but you go on the inside and like all of our windows have been sealed shut because of bomb threats and uh, you know there are no windows and the halls my building is like a couple city blocks long and so you'll have these halls that are you know tens of, of feet long maybe even hundreds of feet long and it's kind of this weird optical illusion that you're walking and you're like am i actually moving 
you know, <laughs> is, is am I actually going anywhere? Is my endpoint going to get any closer? And then, especially on in early mornings, if you get there before anybody else, all of the lights in our halls are motion sensors, you know, to save mm. on power or whatever. And so you can like arrive. And if you get there before anyone else, it will be dark and lights will sometimes flicker. And it is sometimes terrifying. Nice. Yeah. Nice. nice Super nice. fun. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I've eaten uh I've eaten donuts where Batman and Pain fought. I t- I've told you that I saw them filming that, right? You did, which is yeah. I'm jealous of. When I saw Christopher Nolan and everything, and that scene, it's snowing, but it was summer in uh-huh. Pittsburgh, and yeah. they had all the fake snow swirling around oh, yeah. and fake snow in piles everywhere, and we, they were unfortunately sure that, uh, filming on the inside, so I didn't yeah. actually see the actual filming, but we saw like the Batmobile on the outside and everything. Cool. I, I'm, I'm sure that bat suit was nice and juicy. Hmm. Humid well, summers in Pittsburgh. Well, mm. so so for Hag so for Hagrid's costume for Harry Potter, they actually had piped it full of little veins where they could pump cold water like through the costume. Huh. And I don't know if they did that for like the bat suit or any other like superhero suits because I know they Probably did that for Hagrid. Not. But there's a lot of room for Hagrid. That's true. It was kind of bloppy and shapeless. Yeah. But for the art, such suffering and the humidity. Indeed, indeed. But yeah, Batman. If uh, if Christian Bale wants to eat donuts with me sometime, <laughs> hit me up. If Christian Bale is a listener or uh, 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 Tom Hardy, I would eat donuts with either of you. Hit me up. Let's go. Pittsburgh I'll, is I'll the place to be. Yeah, yeah. Come on. Come on down. Bring we up some We can have worms. you guest and you can guest with uh, LeBron and Christina Tozzi and as we mentioned so, last episode. And so now our, our dream group is what <laughs> Batman, a uh, mm-hmm. world-renowned baker, and a world-renowned basketball player. And me! And <laughs> what? So, okay, well, we have to ask, what class would Batman be? Or what class would Christian Bale be? Do we go for, Ooh. would he have to play Batman on the episode? Yes. He'd have to talk like this. <laughs> oh, his poor throat. <sighs> Swear to me. <laughs> oh my gosh. So Harvard Can he be trusted? <laughs> so <laughs> Those again, are the what, only lines I remember. <laughs> what class would he be? Uh, Christian Bale or Batman? Well, if if we're having... It would be, what class would Christian Bale play as Batman? Uh, what class would Christian Bale's Batman be? Yes, I guess that's better. Okay. See, Batman... It would definitely be a multi-class of some sort because he's good at like everything. I mean, there'd probably have to be some. I don't know. I feel like he could be a straight paladin. Uh, I mean, he'd definitely be. Yeah, I mean, Oath of Vengeance paladin is basically Batman. Mm-hmm. So, but at I the mean... same time, I don't know. You could probably argue. I know Artificer isn't officially a class yet, but it's an unearthed mm. arcana class because I mean, Batman relies on his gadgets a lot. That's true. Um, hmm. So you could say that. Yeah, I could see that. I honestly can't. Besides Artificer and Paladin, I can't really. I mean, he's kind of a roguish and the sneaky, I mean, sneaky thing. But I feel like the Oath of Vengeance would take I feel care like of that. He's probably got like a level dip in rogue at least. Yeah, some that's sneak true. attack. Yeah, that's honestly true. Stealth stuff. I'm sure somebody out there has, like, specked out if Batman oh, was I'm a D&D sure. class. But, yeah, I think, yeah, Oath of Vengeance Paladin, definitely. I don't know. I feel like he doesn't fight very sneakily. He'll, like, show up sneakily, but then he I usually... Mean, it depends on what version of Batman you're talking That's about, true. I guess. I guess I'm thinking mostly just, like, Christian Bale. Uh, yeah, I'm not a big Batman nerd. I mean, Me Christian neither. Bale was pretty... He was plenty sneaky. I guess, yeah, he just, like, pops up and then just punches you in the face, but he's not right. really sneaky about the face punching. Exactly. See, that's that's more what I say. He, like, sneaks up to a point, but his combat isn't all about always being, like, hidden or or things like that. I'm not wearing hockey pants. That's the other line I remember. <laughs> I remember, like, no lines. <laughs> Oh, I just remember being like, how did he get from the middle of the desert back to Gotham so quickly? I mean, he is. 
Batman. Bruce Wayne, Batman. He's very resourceful. I'm sure. He, I mean, there was that. Uh, he did have a period of time before he became Batman in which he was just sort of like globetrotting, right? Because, yeah, I mean, he was out there training with Ra's I mean, al Ghul. Yeah. So he's, I'm sure he's definitely resourceful. He could definitely, if he can just like disappear when you turn to look a different direction for a second, he can sneak onto a cargo plane headed back to America. That's true. That's true. So, well, I'm like, I'm liking Gotham this uh, fantasy composition of the this party. I think it yeah would be really fun. <laughs> obviously would be really fun, but I think some different personalities. I mean, for me, Christian Bale just will always be like Laurie from Little Women. So, yeah. isn't he the voice of that one guy in that one anime thing? Oh, he he is Howl the Eng- or whatever. He is the English dub for Howl's Moving Castle. That is true. Yeah. I know people are all hoity-toity about, like, English dubs, but I speak English, so. I mean, Studio Ghibli has a pretty good um, relationship, I think, with Pixar, who does the the English dubs, so they're quite uh, attuned to the original. But, I mean, I am no scholar at all on Japanese film. Well, speaking of scholars, Carhoon is a scholar. Mm-hmm, he is. Look at that flawless segue two weeks ago. Again, again. <laughs> <laughs> he does speak a lot of languages. He, he does, to say the I'm, least. I mean, I'm not joking. He is a scholar. Yeah, he studied for like 200 years. Mm-hmm. So, yes, you and Carhoon mm-hmm. just received word from Grot leader Owlbear that her companion, second in command, and dear friend Moose has been captured by the the Dragon Blood horde mm-hmm. and is being taken back to Grundukov for all mm-hmm. sorts of nefarious purposes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. She has enlisted your help to stop them before they get there to either rescue Moose and bring him back or to ensure that he cannot give up their secrets. Mm-hmm. So when we last left off, you, Carhoon, atop your goats Bartholomew and Bartholomew and Agatha. Oh, that actually the, would work if they were like little donkeys. <laughs> <laughs> it would. Uh, are trotting along uh, mm-hmm. head and shoulders above the rest of these, you yeah. know, 10 or so grot warriors. Owlbear in the lead, heading again, sort of southern, southern, south, southern, southernly? southernly? Southernly, thank you. I was mm-hmm. trying to combine southward <laughs> and southern, and it just wasn't working. <laughs> so heading southernly. Mm hmm. Towards where Moose was taken and hopefully to intercept them and get him back or not one way or another. Yeah. So you guys are hoofing. Mm-hmm. Uh, these, you, you really don't even have to control these goats. They're just sort of following the rest of the pack okay. and sort of leading you along. Mm-hmm. You know, these goats aren't maybe the comfiest ride you've ever yeah. been on. They are goats. But they are very sure-footed, and you're not really worried about whether you're going to tumble or fall or they're going to trip. You're all just deftly making your way through these mountains, descending slowly over time as you make your way towards the south Mm -hmm. to try to intercept this ambush train. So you said we're descending a bit. Are we going going to be eventually, like, leaving the mountains? Yeah, from what you I, you gathered, I mean, a like wagon caravan train could oh, not okay. travel through the mountains, okay, so they good were point, good point. traveling basically in the path that the army traveled. Okay, so okay. along the mountains, but not in the mountains. Okay. Uh, so as you guys are moving, it'll be a few hours before you you get to your location. Mm-hmm. So everyone is sort of just. Traveling along silently, they are all determined and dour and serious, but if there's anything you would like to ask or to get to know better about the the mission, because it was sort of a rush job to get everyone ready and out, now would be the time to do that. Okay. I think Octavia will just ask Owlbear, how many many were there, Um, and did they actually have that shipment of silvered weapons at all, or was it literally just, uh, you know, creatures at arms? It was just bait. We uh, got to the wagon, opened it up, but inside, instead of finding boxes of weapons and whatnot, it was a lot of 
lot of creatures waiting to take us down. Mm-hmm. There are about a dozen in total. Okay. Hobgoblins. Well-trained. Okay. Well-armed. And were they armed mm. with, were there any casters with them? Were they all martial? Uh, I, I can't say for sure. Everything after we got there is a bit chaotic. Mm-hmm. I only encountered uh, those who fought with hand and blade, but who's okay. to say differently? Sounds good. And so. do you think there are still around a dozen now, or were their numbers also cut down? Well, there's probably there's probably still about a dozen left. I I, I can't say for sure. Okay. Uh, we once we realized the odds were against us, we turned tail and left pretty quick. You know, the the one advantage we we typically have is the benefit of surprise. Mm-hmm. Nobody knows what's coming, and so even if they're a superior force in superior numbers with superior weaponry, if we can come in and do what we need to do before anybody really knows what's going on. Mm-hmm. None of that matters, but when we face a more numerous enemy who's expecting us, not not a lot, not a lot you can do in a situation like mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. You did what you could. I, I can't say for sure if they're expecting us to make a move to try to get our own back. I wouldn't be surprised if they're ready for us to try mm-hmm. to take them, but we don't have much of a choice at this point. Well, I don't think don't think they expected. Carhoon and me to be here, so at least that's something they won't be expecting. That is an element we'll have going for us. So I thank you for that. Always. And then the rest and the rest of the ride, unless there seems to be other salient details that Owlbear wants to mention, Octavia will respect the the solemnity and be quiet. <laughs> so you guys continue making your way <laughs> down through these mountains. These goats moving quickly and and skillfully through this rocky, rooty terrain where you're sure if you were trying to move with half the speed they were, you would just be stumbling all over mm-hmm. yourself. A few hours pass. Again, there's very little conversation, very little talk going on. After a few hours, you guys sort of get to a point and Owlbear stops her goat and she raises a, a fist next to her and everyone stops. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm sort of around, and you've arrived at a little bit of a uh, an overlook, sort of at, okay. the, at the crest of a hill, maybe a bit of a rocky cliffside, but you're very close to sort of where the, the plains would begin, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. sort of at the very edge of where these mountain ranges start, and the trees are sort of thinning out, and she sort of motions for, for uh, the group to approach the edge mm-hmm. of this overlook, and as you all sort of gather around to where you can see below and sort of out running parallel to the mountains, you can see a sort of orangish, yellowish glow that's moving across the plains. Okay. It's still too far and too dark because it is well into the night now. Okay. For that you was going to be my really... question, yeah. Yes, yes, it is. Darkness has fallen. It's still too dark and they're too far away for you to tell exactly what it is, but Albert motions and she says, that's our target. That's the so-called supply train. Okay. There's, looks like, she sort of squints. There's probably a few in the lead and a few behind, and then the, uh, the actual carriage in the middle. And she explains over the course, it's, it's sort of like a big, think of like a stagecoach. Mm. Mm-hmm. kind of thing but like made of metal oh wow okay so like a fantasy tank mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that would be in uh, you know common scenarios sort of like a, a train car filled with boxes and crates and supplies and stuff okay. but in this instance it was just filled full with soldiers Creatures. okay and we can Creatures. assume that moose is in there yeah that's if if i were running this that's where i'd keep him it's the most secure location all right we're gonna send a, the the majority of our force out front, take them from the take them from the front side, try to draw their forces away from the actual coach. A small contingent of us will approach from the rear, take out whoever's left, try to infiltrate and get Moose out as quickly as possible. Sounds good. What's what's drawing the stagecoach? Are there are they oxen? Are they horses? Large black horses. Okay. 
draft horses. Not, Two of them. Not quite as speedy as maybe a riding horse, but powerful enough mm-hmm. to pull that thing. Mm-hmm. And two of them? Uh, there, there was a yoke of four, I think. Oh, okay. So uh, she says that, and then she begins to sort of delineate her members. Mm-hmm. And she <sighs> comes up to you after a few moments of like basically telling them what to do. And she says, mm-hmm. again, it's fortunate that you've come at this time. I think it would be best if the smallest force necessary went went into the back. Mm-hmm. Stealth will be our primary advantage. Tavia, I think it might be best if uh, you and I approach from the rear, you with your uh, gifts and me with my knowledge and skill. Send the rest of them to distract the rest, keep everyone else busy while we try to do what we need to do as quick as possible. Sounds she looks good. at Carhoon and she says, can you aid the rest of my... My force. And uh, Carhoon nods if that's okay with you. Yep. So. <laughs> I was going to be like, yeah, he's cool. <laughs> he's cool with that. Yeah, Thumbs up. <laughs> Carhoon nods. And he says, uh, it would be my honor. And he uh, sort of trots over to the rest of this group who are, you know, checking their, mm-hmm. their like a SWAT team, you know, checking their mm-hmm. crossbows, making sure they're all loaded and you know, getting all their blades strapped mm-hmm, down mm-hmm. and and getting in the mental headspace to go do this. So says, is it just uh, Owlbear and I who are approaching in the back? or uh, Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So she's saying like the fewest people, you okay. know, we're going to draw the least amount of attention if we can do it as stealthily as possible. That would be best. Uh, so let's get the majority of the group to fight the, the dozen or so people hobgoblins who were escorting this mm-hmm. and see if they can come around from the back while everyone else is distracted and just take the coach. Okay. And then our plan is to, as soon as we can get a hold of Moose, just abscond with him and doesn't matter if some of the hobgoblins are still remaining, just... Dis- we, don't need to, we don't need to kill them all. Just we don't need to kill any, honestly. Okay. Our primary objective is Moose. Okay. So once she, like, makes this plan clear, uh, she motions for everyone to sort of mount up and move out. And so Carhoon looks at you and he says, I'll see you on the other side. And then he, yes, his little goat and him and the group of the other 10 begin riding off further to try to get in front of this coach and attack it from the front. Sounds good. So Albert and you Mm -hmm. are there. And she says, I understand you have certain gifts that most of us aren't accompanied, uh, aren't familiar with. If you'd like to remain on your goat, you're welcome to. But if you're more comfortable doing something else, you're also more than welcome to. But we need to move. I think for now I'll, I'll stay on Agatha if that's all right. It's fine by me. All right. Follow me. Will do. And she hits the reins on her her goat, and they begin descending, uh, sort of cutting perpendicular to where the rest of them were heading. And they begin Mm -hmm. moving towards, well, she begins moving towards this this caravan that you can see making its way back towards Grundikov. And give me just one hot second. One, two. Very hot. All right, so Austin just popped into my little blanket sarcophagus and gave me a piece of paper with all of Owlbear's stats on it. So I mm-hmm. am, for my if my assumption is correct, going to be controlling her now. In in combat, yes. In combat, right? Similar yeah. to the way that we do with Carhoon. All right, yeah. switching things up a little bit. All right, this is exciting. So you and Owlbear begin. Trotting down the mountain. All right. And after, you know, uh, a few minutes, you guys sort of exit these foothills and get mm-hmm. onto the plains. Now, you're still far enough away from this glow approaching from the behind that you don't really need to fear them seeing you until okay. you're a little bit closer. Uh, so she leads you uh, at an angle mm-hmm, to mm-hmm. sort of both cover some distance between them and just get to where you are right behind them. 
All right. And can I ask, so what is the distribution? Can I can I have t- been able to tell from when we are, we're above kind of looking down on them and now that we're a bit getting a bit closer, can I have, um, can I tell what the distribution of Hobgoblins is in front of and behind this coach? So as you get a little bit closer... Uh, mm-hmm. It's still hard to tell, okay. uh, but you sort of, uh, and and Albert helps you out. Well, actually, this would be the opportunity to roll a perception check. And okay. We'll, see. we'll right. see what you can tell. Octavia gets a 14, and Owlbear mm-hmm. gets a 1. Aww. <laughs> Well, uh, you with a fourteen, you're having a hard time in uh, in the darkness. Okay. But you would, so you can't make out any specific numbers. Uh, but you would think you get the idea that there's more in the front and maybe like just a small rear guard. Okay, and there had been there were what twelve, about a dozen. She had said about a dozen hobgoblins okay. in total. Okay. Hold on, I'm thinking about one thing. Oh, I can smell it. <laughs> that rubber burning. Get out of here. <laughs> That's always what my dad would say growing up. So, if you're listening, Pa, I love you and I think you're great. Okay, yeah. No, we'll, we'll it's fine. So, you guys, uh, after another few minutes of full-on now that your goats have sort of exited this rocky terrain they can move a bit faster mm-hmm. and so you guys are full-on like galloping broom, 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 behind this steel stagecoach mm-hmm. and Albert sort of motions for you to just like keep on and she says as soon as we get we hear the uh the sound of the attack we'll make our move sounds good and so you guys have approached about as far as you can without uh, really having to risk being seen. Can we approximate how far goblins. away we are? So it would be common knowledge that hobgoblins can see in the dark uh-huh. for about 60 feet. Okay. <laughs> uh, so you're probably, you know, you're you're farther than that. Okay. You're probably like, you know, a hundred feet behind mm-hmm, mm-hmm. them in the darkness where the light, they've got like a, a lantern on the front and the back of this stagecoach and mm-hmm. some sort of on the, on the horses that give it this orangish yellow glow to sort of illuminate things, even just for the horses who can't see in the dark. So you're, you're outside of that light range and yeah, about a hundred feet back where you don't think they would be able to see you until you really started closing that distance. So, uh, in the intervening moments before whatever's about to happen happens, are there any preparations you would like to do? Is there anything you need yes. to do first? <laughs> yes. All right. So, in preparation, as Octavia and Owlbear are, you know, maintaining, are still galloping along, but maintaining this distance. Um, from the stagecoach, Octavia is going to let loose her celestial wings. And out of her back, these two incorporeal uh, incorporeal wings just kind of sprout out, and you can kind of see them. You almost can't see them. They're this kind of um, shimmering... Uh, shimmering type of thing. So that is something that she is definitely going to do before they get close. Do those shed light? You know, I was looking into that, and they... I don't know. They are... The the text that I have is that I use an action to unleash two incorporeal wings, and I do deal extra radiant damage when I have them. But I don't know if they actually shed light. So what I have for but your this protector is also, ASMR, right? Correct. Th- this is also a very condensed version of Yeah, I was going to say, reading from Volo's guide himself, you can use your action to unleash the divine energy within yourself, causing your eyes to glimmer and to luminous incorporeal uh, wings to spread from your back. So I okay. would say they're definitely like glowing. Okay. Well, which uh, Octavia would, would give have you away. Exactly. Octavia would have known that and so yes. let us scratch that. Mm-hmm, she mm-hmm. will not do that. Okay. But what is my speed on Agatha? 
Uh, 40 feet. Okay. So in preparation of being able to kind of wanting to stop this stagecoach um, as as Owlbear and Octavia are galloping along, Octavia is going to, you know, lift her hands and start, um, you know, murmuring to herself the words of a spell. And all of a sudden, appearing alongside the two of these goats, a one giant, one normal-sized, is a giant constrictor snake. Okay. What did you do? I just cast Conjure Animals. No biggie. Oh, my gosh. It's just <laughs> a, a big old snake? Just a CR2 giant constrictor snake, which is How... huge. Oh, jeez. How fast does a constrictor snake move? It's it's a little slower than we. It's only 30 feet. But the okay. range on this spell is 60 feet in front of us, and so I'm going to cast it ahead of us. Okay, so a giant snake just, like, pops into existence. Are you going the full 60 feet ahead of you? No, I'm going to do 30 feet ahead of us so that it is still out. If you said that we were about 120, 110 You were 100 feet. Oh, 100 feet. 30 feet would still be beyond the hoggoblins. Yeah, it'd be like vision, just right? on the edge of their, yes. of their sight. Okay, so you summon this giant, huge snake. <laughs> yep. <laughs> it appears and begins slithering. Do you have control over this snake? I do. Okay, then... I guess it does what you would like it to do. Yes, so it is just going to um, be sneaky. I'm going to tell it, hush, and it's going to stay low to the ground and outside of that um, well of light that the um, both the hobgoblins could see, but then also that well of light that the coach is giving off. Okay, so you do that. And as you're finishing up your incantation and this snake Pops into existence. Mm-hmm. From far ahead of you, you hear a, a blood-curdling shriek in the night mm. air. And then it's followed by about ten other blood-curdling shrieks. <sighs> and uh, we begin! Rise up in unison and grow louder and louder. And a few moments after the shriek begins, uh, you begin to hear just like of projectiles being mm-hmm. flung towards this coach and like ricocheting off of this steel cabin and you you hear the shouts of the gruff shouts in Goblin which I don't know if you speak just sort of like you know, I goblins don't know. speak in Goblin and mm-hmm. essentially the sound of combat breaks out and in this you know aura of light that this coach is giving off you can begin to see goat riding warriors coming out of the darkness and riding up firing with their crossbows and sort of tag teaming off back into the darkness sort of Mm -hmm. as one rides Mm -hmm. up and fires and leaves back another one pops over to make an attack and they're just sort of uh, hit and running as this coach is just like hurtling along this Mm -hmm. plain Mm -hmm. pathway Owlbear looks at you and she says it's time and she begins uh, ready. Moving, motioning her goat to move faster. And All right. her her mount begins uh, galloping its full complement of speed towards this coach. Because I'm I'm saying because the the horses pulling this coach are pulling a giant thing, they're gonna move slower than yeah. your goats can at top speed, so you guys can sense. gain on the end of this thing. So she begins right. rocketing forward, crossbow in hand. Alright. And you're following? I am. Um, as as soon as I find out that the word is to go, I have another mm-hmm. spell I'm wanting to cast. Okay, well, why don't we roll some initiative? Yes! All right, Octavia rolls a seven. And Owlbear rolls a... Oh, she rolls a 13. Owlbear does. All right. Well, it would be Owlbear's turn first, then, as she begins, which is appropriate, as she begins, uh, mm-hmm. you know, riding this goat up, closing the gap between you guys and this metal stage coach. 
So, as she gets closer, okay. Um, roll a perception for her. For her? Yes. Okay. Oh dear. She rolls a three. Three. Okay. So, um, yeah, can't tell too much <laughs> about the coach in general, but uh, as she has gets within range, she can make out there are sort of on the back of the stagecoach. There's a little, uh, like a little bench almost on the okay. back, and there are two, yeah, rear guards stationed there. Two of these herb gerblins. All right, and are there also hobgoblins on steeds behind the coach? Uh, so you don't you don't see any on steeds. There's these two on the back of the of the coach itself. Okay, she is going to as soon as she gets within. Um, 80 feet, she is going to raise her crossbow and, um, you know, eyeing down the sights of it, is going to let loose one of her bolts towards one okay. of the hobgoblins sitting there on that bench. Okay, roll it. Uh, all right. 13 to hit. 13? That's a miss. Oh, I figured it would be. <laughs> Ping! The bolt clatters off of the back of this coach. Alrighty, so she's just going to keep, and then probably after after knowing that she missed that shot, she might like dip back into the darkness type of thing. Okay, she does have extra attack. Oh, she uh, does. So she can't. She can't shoot twice. Oh, sorry, I just noticed that. Okay, she's gonna roll again. Oh, that's a natural nineteen. That's a hit. All right. That's a bit more like it, Albert. All right. So she rolls a eight piercing damage. Perfect. So she misses her first and then slams another mm-hmm. bolt into her crossbow and just poof, fires it. Uh, and it impacts one of the hobgoblins. You hear sort of a grunt of pain mm-hmm. from behind it as it. So she probably, yeah, so she'll move as far as she can into the darkness, but uh, she's still sort of using most of the movement to get within range. Right. Uh, So the two hobgoblins on the back, one of them is going to, the one that was not hit sort of is now aware that there are combatants coming Mm -hmm. from behind. Uh, It stands up and uh, utters some... I'm supposed to roll initiative for this snake, but usually we've just kind of used stuff on my turn. We can just roll turn. it on okay. yours. Yeah, that's fine. So this hobgoblin sort of readies itself on the back of this this little bench-like area mm-hmm. on the back of the stagecoach, waves its hands and mutters a few things and casts some spell that you're not sure about. Okay. And then the other one reaches into its belt and begins throwing things at Owlbear. Okay, but it can't see Owlbear. I mean, she can't totally get back into the darkness because she used okay. mo- a lot of her movement to close the gap. Okay. I'll give, because she's probably in, you know, not Half super light. close, I'll, I'll give them disadvantage okay. for a, a shot or two. Yeah, seems fair. All right, so first one is a miss. Okay. Second one. Ooh, that is a non-natural 20 at Mm. disadvantage. Oh my gosh. Ooh, the three is a non-natural 21. Oh my gosh. Attack number four is How many attacks does this guy have? Four. Oh my, what is this? Uh, does a 16 hit? Yeah. Okay, I rolled, like, I did not roll below 15 for those last, like, six Stupid. So that's three What dice are you using? Just my Norse Foundry gnomish copper. (sighs) Curse you, Norse Foundry. Except, no, never mind. So the first hit deals Mm -hmm. four points of piercing damage. Okay. As a little dart is flung in Owlbear's direction. Okay. The second does another four, and the third does also four. Okay. So that's 12 points of damage total. Okay. Owlbear takes it like a champ. She does indeed. Mm-hmm. All right, it is your turn, or right. your snake's turn, if you would like it to go first. I am going to whisper down to it, you'll know when, but when you know when... 
circle around the carriage, my love. And as my action, I am going to cast a spell. The snake says, whoa, 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 you gotta buy me dinner first. <laughs> I'm like, you're, you're, about to, you're about to get your dinner. All the dinner that you could want, as long as you're okay with slightly stringy hobgoblin. Okay, it's gonna take the snake a little while longer than you to catch up, because it moves slower than a, the goat. That's okay. Um, okay. I'm, I'm wanting to stay kind of out of... I'm still staying about 100-ish feet away, or 60-ish okay. feet away, just outside of the eye range of the hobgoblins. Okay, so you move up to about 60 feet? Let's say 70 feet. Okay, 70 feet. Because I do not want them to be able to see me. Okay. And I lift my finger, and I point at the ground underneath the carriage, and I cast an erupting ray of earth underneath the coach. (laughs) What spell is this? This is a spell called Erupting Earth. Erupting Earth? Mm -hmm. Wait, what is this? Is this from... Is this in the PHB? I think so, yeah. I have never heard of this spell before. Tell me what this spell does. So I choose a point that I can see within this 120-foot range. Uh Uh-huh. A fountain of churned earth and stone erupts in a 20-foot cube centered on that point. Each creature in the area must make a deck saving throw. A creature takes 3d12 bludgeoning damage on a fail save, or half as much on a successful. Additionally, the ground in that area becomes difficult terrain until cleared. So I'm imagining that I cast it directly underneath the coach, and I Uh just thrust it up into the air, and then it just kind of crashes back down into this 20-foot cube of, like, rubble. So you're literally just causing, like, a pillar of dirt Mm -hmm. to shoot out of them. That's cool. That's pretty dope. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) And the the hobgoblins on the back will have to make deck saving throws. Okay, well, let's do that for them first. All right, the first one, who has been hit by Owlbear, makes a 17. Uh, He succeeds. They succeed. The second one is a 12. They fail. All right, so I'm going to roll these 3d12. One of them is going to take half, the one that got the damage from Owlbear, and the other one is going to take full. Okay. All right, 9, 8, and 7, so that is 25 points of bludgeoning damage. What? 25? Mm-hmm. Okay, so the one who hadn't been damaged takes the full of it? Correct. And the one who had been hit takes, takes half. half, so, so that would 12. be 12. Right, right, rounding down. Goodness gracious. All right, so you point your finger, and from the ground shoots this column of just dirt and rock and if underneath. And if any of the other hobgoblins... So is this a 20-foot cube? I don't know how big this coach is. If there are any hobgoblins in front of the coach who could have been caught in it they would have yeah those are going to be narrative hobgoblins for right now (laughs) okay okay (laughs) Uh, (laughs) because i don't want to roll a dozen that's true that's true okay so we might hand wave a little bit of that Uh um so this pillar of dirt and stone erupts from beneath this stagecoach as these hobgoblins go flying through the air roll a perception check I make a perception check? Mm-hmm. Okay. Octavia rolls a... Just Octavia. Oh, just Octavia. 14. Uh, so these hobgoblins look very similar to the one you fought in the bell tower all I've those years ago. I've been thinking about this this entire time, and Octavia has that mask yeah, that she's so kept all... in her bag all these mm-hmm. years. So they're all arrayed in, like, black robes. Mm-hmm. With a belt of like dart throwing knives mm-hmm. on their around their waist, and they're all wearing these sort of red masks. Uh, so they go flying into the air. One of them lands, catches themselves a little bit better, but the other one just like takes a rock to the face. Mm-hmm. And so I'm trying to figure out how this will work with the coach because it would automatically. Hail, whatever mm-hmm. saving throw. So, re- sorry, read me the description, yes. the, the text of this spell again. Uh, 
Uh, a fountain of churned earth and stone erupts in a 20-foot cube centered on the point that I choose. Mm-hmm. Each creature in that area must make a deck saving throw, and they take damage on a fail saved or half as much on a successful one. Additionally, the ground in that area becomes difficult terrain until clear. Okay, so why don't you... Well, that was 25 points of damage. Mm-hmm. So, this stagecoach, which... Oh, I might have done my math wrong. It might actually just be... 24, sorry. Well, it on, that only will matter for one of them. So, regardless, you still dealt a bunch mm-hmm. of damage to those guys. They're looking rough as they sort of land, and at this point, they're kind of tumbling off the back of this... <laughs> uh, this coach. So the one thing I'm I'm trying to decide how to resolve is if you like flip this on its side or if it just like lands on its wheels and continues moving. I mean, I imagine Which... like if it has even steel you know, clad wheels that even if mm. it lands on its wheels like they're you know, their axles are going to be kind of bent. Like it's definitely going to have been lifted I mean, up into the air and dropped type of thing. For yeah, I mean, the, the difficult terrain is difficult. I'm yeah. just trying to figure out exactly how <laughs> to rule this. Right. Um, Sorry to have put you in this situation. No, I like this. This is like the perfect spell for this situation. That's as soon as I heard what was going on, I'm like, yes! This is my new level up spell, so I was like, this is perfect. I like it. I think this is a job for maybe the percentile dice. Mm, or your smiley face, un- frowny face die. I did not bring those. Oh, okay. So I think this will be a job for my percentile dice. I just need to decide on a good... What do you think the odds are that this thing flips over? Probably 50/50? pretty probably pretty high. I feel like the rollover statistics back for stagecoaches aren't as good as like a Suburban today. I feel like 75, 25. But maybe that's too high. Let's... Maybe 65 or even 60-40. You know, compromise and call it uh, on a roll of 30... Or on a roll of 0 to 30... 33. Okay. It will remain upright. On a roll of 34 to 100, it will flip over. Okay. I'm going to roll those percentage die right now. 96. Hey! Yes! So, you cast this spell. Mm-hmm. The, the, these two hobgoblins go flying as the debris spurts out of the ground. The stagecoach gets lifted. I mean, it's a heavy stagecoach, mm-hmm. but it gets lifted a couple feet into the sky and then just comes slamming down off kilter off-center and just tips right on its side and you sort of hear the the frightened whinnies of these draft horses as they're sort of yoked into mm-hmm. this thing. They get oh, flipped over too, which yeah. you probably feel a little bit bad I do about. feel bad. As they all go like tumbling uh, to the ground mm-hmm. and up ahead you can see other, you know, a bunch of these other hobgoblins who are on the front of the stagecoach or riding in front of it go just sort of... Splayed out, <laughs> flying around mm-hmm. this crater that you've made, and there's a big hoop from uh, from the the grot who are still darting in and shooting these bolts at the at the hobgoblins mm-hmm. who are now, you know, scurrying to and fro trying to figure out what just happened. Mm-hmm. But you have successfully capsized this this coach. Perfect. And my giant constrictor snake. How far away from it is? the coach right now well you, let's see let's math this out you cast it 30 feet in front so of that me. it was about 30 feet in front mm-hmm. of you while you were 100 feet away so it was about 70 feet behind it if it moved its entire speed which how fast does it move 30 feet 30 so if it dashed 60 i got 60 feet up it would be about 10 feet away okay at the beginning of its turn it's 10 feet at the away. beginning of it yeah, well, so, like, at its turn, it, it would move up. Okay, so... 30 feet. It is going to wrap around the stagecoach and start constructing it. Around the stagecoach? Mm-hmm. Okay, so I guess a huge creature would be 15... Would fill a 15 by 15 foot square. Yeah. 
So this snake is at minimum 15 feet long. Yeah. Which is pretty long. <laughs> I know. It's kind of terrifying. Uh, okay. And basically, so yeah, we'll- its goal is to wrench the coach so much out of shape that the doors kind of no longer stay on their hinges and everything will just start popping open. Okay, yeah, your snake, yeah, we'll we'll say it moved up. It is able to uh, sort of get in position and wrap itself around. I'll say it probably, it can't start constricting this turn, but on subsequent turns, it will be able to do that. All right, sounds good. Effective turn. Thank you. (laughs) So... It comes back to Owlbear at the top of this round. So she sees this go down. There's two still alive, but mm-hmm. uh, not looking great hobgoblins <laughs> who are starting to like brush themselves off and pick themselves up off the ground. What does she do? She is going to train her crossbow on the one that took the full brunt of the erupting earth and cast a crossbow bolt at it. Okay, so... If this thing is technically prone, which means ranged attacks will have disadvantage. Oh. They're both prone, right? Yes. They have not stood up yet. Okay, she might... Hmm. I mean, she could go try to stab them. She could wait. She could do something else. I think she's going to hold. Cause she doesn't want to have disadvantage. She wants to be able to really... Uh, uh, zone in on the right one and so she might just kind of duck back into the darkness again and hold her action. Or she can ready it. As soon she can ready yeah, she would ready She can ready an attack. She can ready a standard action or move action. So she's going to ready um, ready her crossbow. As soon as one of the hobgoblins stands up she is going to attack it with her crossbow. Yeah, so I'm I'm looking this up for future reference. There's not really a delay in terms of initiative, but you can, yeah, ready your action so that it is triggered by a specific event. That is what she would like to do. Okay, so what is the trigger and what is the action again? Sorry. The trigger will be one of the hobgoblins standing up and no longer being prone, and her action will be attacking it with her crossbow. All right, well, it is the Hopgoblin's turns, so, yeah, one of them, (laughs) the first one stands up. And bam, it is going to get a crossbow right in its face. All right, so this is the one who she had hit first but took less damage from the the thing. Okay, that was a natural 17. That's a hit. And, oh, this is the one that took half damage from the erupting earth, right? Mm-hmm. All right, so this is the one that she's going to choose to deal an additional amount of damage to. Yeah, so she's sort of a quasi-ranger who has the, the like, hunter, I think. She can do mm-hmm. uh, deal additional damage to anyone who is injured once per turn. She didn't roll great, but she does eight piercing damage. Eight piercing damage, mm-hmm. okay. It is still alive as this bolt sinks into the Hobgoblin's flesh. Well, she has her full action will be mm-hmm. two crossbow bolts, so right. she is going to attack that same one once again. Ooh. 15 to hit. That is exactly Oh, it. yes. All right. She rolls a seven piercing. The bolt uh, just like pierces this hobgoblin through the throat and it falls down gurgling. Yes! Yes! But it is dead. Awesome! And then she is just going to, if she has any movement left, again, kind of try to duck into the darkness. Okay. Uh, So that hobgoblin is dead, but the other one stands up. And... Let's see. So you are 70 feet away, Mm -hmm. right? And she would be a little bit outside, probably still at disadvantage. Um, and then there's a snake. Yep. Yeah, it's gonna because Albert is the only one it can really see. Mm-hmm. He'll, it'll still have disadvantage. Okay. But this was also the one who cast a spell, and that spell was True Strike. Oh no! Okay. So it's not that bad. It would give it advantage on its first attack roll against the target. But since it has disadvantage because she's in the darkness, mm-hmm. 
sort of on the edge of its range. Oh, actually, it would have disadvantage anyway because the range of darts are not that far. Oh, but really? regardless, disadvantage doesn't stack. So yeah. it would have disadvantage one way or the other. Okay. It gives itself advantage with true strike, so that cancels, cancels out it on out. its first attack okay. roll. So the first attack, and I rolled a four. Oh! So that's one miss. Mm-hmm. Attack number two is a... Ooh. I rolled a natural two and a natural 20, so that's a miss. <laughs> attack number three is a miss, and attack okay. number four is... Okay, that might hit. That is a 17. The 17 does hit. So one of these darts makes its way and deals seven points of piercing Ooh. damage to Owlbear. Uh, this hobgoblin then uses its movement to, well, its remaining half movement to move behind the uh, capsized coach to try to get some cover. Adjacent to my threatening snake? Well, you're, I mean, your snake is very big and this coach is very big, so probably not. Okay, I mean, just, it will be close to the snake. It's It's close to the snake, but your snake is also... Uh, for all intents and purposes, grappling. That's the true. That's true. <laughs> but it shouldn't be like, oh, I'm going to find comfort here because it's <laughs> next to this giant snake. That's true. But it is your turn. All right. You said the stagecoach is made out of metal? Yeah. Uh-oh. <laughs> Did you prepare a certain spell? I might have. Keep in mind, moose might be in there. So this coach is on its side, right? Yep. And can I see a door on that side? Yep. There's a door on the side. Does it seem as though there's a handle or anything that um, I can tell? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Sort of like a lever. Octavia is going to gallop forward on Agatha, and she's, what, 70 feet away? Mm-hmm. And the speed of Agatha was 40. 40. All right, so mm-hmm. Agatha can get there within her turn, and Octavia mm-hmm. is going to leap from Agatha's back onto the side of this coach and try to wrench open the door. Okay, is your snake, like, wrapped around this door? Yes. No, the snake is, like, wrapped around the coach as a whole. Okay, but it's not, like, over the door? No. It's basically, um, you know when you, like, uh, squeeze a water bottle that's just full of air until the point where the pop, the top pops off? Mm-hmm. That's kind of what it's trying to do. Squeeze the coach until the, the kind of hinges and the door frame of this door get so out of line that it can mm-hmm. kind of no longer remain closed because mm-hmm. everything's out of line. That's okay. what the snake is trying to do. All right. Well, roll me an athletics check to try to okay. leap atop stage coach six six uh, <laughs> oh yeah so you try to leap off the back of this goat you don't really make it okay uh you kind of trip a little bit yeah. coming off and maybe not like face plant but you know you you fall and you don't you're gonna have to sort of scramble over the okay. top <laughs> that's fine but after after you know, uh, a little bit of scrambling. You can sort of make your way to the top. Okay. And yes, there is a door. Okay. And with like a handle. Can as my action, I would like to try to wrench it open. Okay. Uh, it is you wrap your hands around it and try to pull. You do feel it is like locked. Okay. Uh, so you can try to brute force it open if you wish, or something else if you can do it. But your action is. Is, has the carriage been, like, disfigured to any point where the lock has been weakened, or it's... Nope. Okay. It's on its side, but it is still a sturdy yeah. wagon. Yeah. Yeah, I'll try. I'll just try forcing it open. Okay, roll a strength check. <laughs> not gonna be good. Yep, that's a five. Uh, you pull with all your might. It doesn't happen. Okay. 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 Uh, so after you scramble atop and begin, you know, pulling at this door, um, from around you, from within 
the center of this stagecoach, suddenly a dense cloud of fog just appears out of thin air, obscuring your vision and, like, what is going on Okay. in a radius about this cabin. And you hear a voice from within that shouts, By all means, keep attacking if you want your friend to die. And we'll pick up there next <laughs> I'm glad I'm not a bear so I can maybe respond to this ominous voice. <laughs> All right. Will you take us out? I'll take us out, my love. Oof. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. If you like what you heard, please rate, review, and subscribe to us on iTunes. A great way for us to grow and reach more great listeners like you is for you to share us with your friends. So please tell your colleagues about us. Um, anyone who you know might like RPGs or like a story like the story that we are telling. If you want to get in touch with us, contact us on social media. We are active on Twitter and Instagram, and our handles are at and a die podcast. We'd love to hear from y'all, and we always try to respond to each message that we get. Catch y'all next week. Bye.